I'm Amy Elisa Jackson, and this is In Pursuit, the podcast from Glassdoor. In every episode, we share the real stories of people navigating life's most pivotal moments at the intersection of the personal and professional. Joy Donnell is a consultant, public speaker, and author of Beyond Brand. She encourages everyone to get out of the box of having a personal brand, something that we've all been told to do time and again. I wanted to know how going beyond a brand would work in the job hunt, when you're writing a resume or doing a job interview. Joy, welcome to In Pursuit. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love it. How's your day going? Walk me through sort of a typical day as the person behind Superjoy Media. I don't know if I have a typical day. Today has been fantastic. (laughs) Um, My day starts pretty early, and I spend the first 15 minutes trying to, like, ground myself. So I do things like reflect on what my intentions are for the day. What is it that I want to be in service of? You know, what are the things that I really want to get accomplished with my life force that day? And then I usually go about doing all kinds of things. I talk internationally to people. So I might be on a conference call or video conference with people in Johannesburg or Tokyo. I might have a speaking engagement. Uh, I might be writing that day. Uh, It could be so many things, consulting on something. So Mm. there's no, like, typical day, and that's kind of part of what I like. I do my best to have fluidity with my schedule. I love that. And I love that you start your day in a space of intention and meditation. I think that grounding yourself uh, is becoming more and more important, especially with all the messages flying our way, so much information, so many people want access to us. So I love that. It's been a big grounding thing for me because I find that when I just go out my house without intention, anything can happen. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely understand that. Joy, I'd love to dig into uh, why you wrote a book like Beyond Brand or even why you're thinking like this. You've got a background sort of in PR for luxury brands, and these are brands that live and breathe and even scream branding. What pushed you in the direction of writing a book Beyond Brand? Because I had the luxury of working with entities and like non-human entities such as luxury Mm -hmm. brands or corporations, as well as actually working with people directly. And I did work with a lot of celebrity talent, but then I also got to work with people who were aspiring toward uh, something, not necessarily celebritum. And that dynamic of dealing with actual corporations and dealing with celebrities started to help me understand what was going on disconnect-wise where regular people, for lack of a better word, not that they're ordinary, Mm -hmm. but I'm just saying like non-celebrity people are concerned. Mm. Branding, for me, is a very different thing than the way that it's getting talked about and the way that people are bringing it into themselves. Brands were actually created so that non-human things, such as your car, your TV, could have a humanness about it, a human quality about it, and be able to relate to you on a person level. And this is something that gets kind of lost in the atmosphere of the conversation. Like Corporations, products, and services are not people. So they need to use human attributes to kind of get us to like them. Because just as human beings, we tend to not like things that are not human, right? (laughs) We 
we we personify everything from our plants to our pets, and that mm-hmm. helps them feel more relatable to us, right? Like when we see a beagle and a goose hugging each other, we go, "Oh, they're so cute! They're like <laughs> us!" Right? And that's just the way that we think about things. And so there's a lot of science and a lot of data around how to go about shaping a brand to have these human esque type of qualities, so that people feel like they're relating to something that's kind of like a person, also. So I said all that to say this, that when regular people who just really want to build something, want to contribute something, are looking to do something bigger than themselves, start saying, I've got to be on brand. I've got to build my brand. Mm. What they're kind of telling themselves to do is they're telling themselves to mimic the thing that is mimicking their innate humanity. And Mm. why would you do that? You don't actually have to do that. You have a human advantage over a brand. And that's not something we usually hear about, the human advantage. We always hear about the human disadvantage and how we're trying to be less human and more of something that's not so vulnerable and easily bruised and cut and broken, right? But we actually have a human advantage over brands because people relate easiest to other people. I love that. Now, what was it that sort of got you on the path to realizing this this approach to brand and then also writing a book? What was it that was the impetus, if you will, for writing this book and for your perspective on branding? I was doing a lot of speaking engagements, and I kept getting this question that I didn't understand. Someone in the audience would stand up and they would say, as I'm building my personal brand, how do I maintain my authenticity? <laughs> and I didn't understand. I that laugh at all. because I've heard that. <laughs> right. You know, like so this was something and it made perfect sense to them as they were asking it, and it made no sense to me. So like the first time I got it, I was just like, just be authentic. What are you talking? It's like asking me how to be more spontaneous. You don't go into your calendar and set Tuesday at two PM to be spontaneous. You just do it, right? <laughs> so if you're either authentic or you're not. And I got asked the question three times before it started to sink into me that, oh wait. Mm. This is what's going on. There's a disconnect. When I started talking to people about legacy, and I actually did this like on the stage during a panel, I switched the conversation. And the minute that I started using the word legacy, no one asked any questions about authenticity. There was something about Mm. what we innately understand about legacy that people realize authenticity is naturally a part of it. You don't have to go looking for it. And... You don't have to go trying to figure out how to shape it so that it fits a certain way and looks a certain way branding-wise. So that was really what inspired me to go ahead and write the book and have a deeper conversation beyond personal branding about what you really want to do with this life force that you have with this energy and what do you want to contribute I love that. I'm going to dig into the personal legacy piece in a moment because I think that's a really interesting concept. But I want to kind of understand um, some of the really practical applications of your ideas in the job market and the job hunt, because we're all told to have a personal brand in order to market ourselves, to make ourselves attractive to either an employer or a potential client. Um, Aren't we all supposed to sort of have this elevator pitch of ourselves uh, to make our public story easier to understand? Or is that is that just, you know, bad thinking, if you will? Well, I wouldn't say that being able to talk about yourself concisely and constructively is bad thinking. Like mm. that definitely is always going to come into into uh, usefulness because you never know how much time you have to convey who you are to someone. 
But mm. if you're stuck in the mechanics of what to say and you're not actually bringing the passion and the emotion, you'll find that no matter what you say, you're not really going to land with the other person, right? Because we really respond to emotion. And so, yes, you know, shape yourself in a way that you get your points across. But being so stuck on branding yourself that you kind of limit the idea of who you are and what you can do to this very like finite thing, and that might not be what you really ultimately want to do and how you want to be seen, that's probably not going to benefit you in the long term. You know, so I know I know that people are like, okay, but I, I have to, you know, fit into what, you know, what I'm trying to get a job with. And I'm not going to say, I know, understand that sometimes you just need to get a job. Okay, like <laughs> you you cannot pay your light bill with your smile. Okay, so I understand <laughs> that sometimes you just need to get a job. I'm not so much talking about when you're stuck in the survival mode of trying to go ahead and get your basic human needs met. I'm more talking about mm-hmm. when you've started to get to a certain comfortability with what you're doing, who you are. You're seeing that you want to expand things, maybe you want to take a risk. You have the luxury mm-hmm. to take risk in that way. Then it might be time for you to start looking at making things bigger because that branding aspect and that approach to the job market a lot of times encourages you to play smaller than you are. Mm. Talk to me a little bit about that, about sort of playing bigger and not being confined to, uh, to you know, a personal brand or a, a limiting brand. The point of this for me is to build something that's going to turn to your playground, not your prison, right? I have had personal experiences where uh, even a celebrity, um, their brand became so much bigger than them that they actually started doing self-sabotaging things to destroy it because they could not have another day living that inauthentic life and that inauthentic Mm. image. And, uh, I mean, it was everything ruining really big opportunities just to get away from what this brand construction has been. Have things that you're passionate about, You maybe you have great ideas, and maybe you haven't always had the right environment to pursue those great ideas. You have been working in an environment where you're a cog in the wheel, or you keep getting passed over for that promotion. You keep not being seen. Either you're going to stay in that place that is not recognizing your gifts and allowing you to actually de- keep developing yourself, or you've got to find someplace where you can. Right. Mm. And those are really your two options. Either you're going to stay where you're not appreciated and you're just tolerated or you're going to go where you're seen and you're celebrated and appreciated. And those are kind of the options. So for me, this diving into your personal legacy, it requires action. Like you, the more that you become self-aware of what you want, what drives you, what has you lived inside, what your passion is, that is not a passive thing. That is an active thing. You have to pursue the things that are have you lit up inside. And mm-hmm. so you're going to find that you're going to do work outside of just clocking in and clocking out, right? Taking that meeting that you're supposed to take and going ahead and delivering that work. You're going to be compelled to maybe write an article and get that published somewhere. That's a good look when you, the right people are looking at you, 
right? Yep. You know, Absolutely. It's like, it is good for you to amplify your thought leadership in that way. You're going to want to create something, uh, whether it's a video, uh, something just beyond a post. You know, like you're, you're going to find ways to go ahead and be creative into in this endeavor. And if you're dealing with the right people, the more heat and passion and work product that you are able to display around that thing that's driving you, the more that they're going to see, oh, you've got layers. You've got virtuosity beyond just this even role. And they might even end up creating a role for you at a Mm. job. I love this idea that personal legacy is a much more expansive version of of personal brand. Um, it reminds me of a, a portion of your book where you write, why would you want to take your complex, iridescent self and whittle you down to something as finite as a brand? Uh, and I think a lot of job seekers and a lot of um, folks who are listening can very much so empathize with that and really understand that a personal brand, the moment you say, I am X on your LinkedIn or on your Facebook or on your Instagram, um, people only try and hold you to that. And it really doesn't allow you the flexibility to morph and change and evolve because it's it's that finite thing. But when you think about a personal legacy, it's something much deeper and more meaningful and allows for the evolution of self. Am I taking that correctly? Thank you. I couldn't have said it better. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm really I I buy into it because even in my own career, you know, as a as a writer, as an editor, as a content marketer, there's always the opportunity to sort of carve out a space for oneself and to define oneself according to, okay, a book that you might have written or a professional uh, accomplishment that you have. But you're right. It does feel constricting. It does feel limiting. Um, And then what happens when it starts to feel suffocating, right? Does it allow you the room to really grow and pivot, change careers, change jobs, change, you know, your approach to things? I think a lot of creatives and a lot of people who've been told to build a brand can really can appreciate the fact that, okay, maybe it is a little bit limiting. Maybe it doesn't really allow for me to have a 45-year career. I mean, corporations are completely on point. Even celebrity brands a lot of times are on point with the way that they go about shaping brand because brand Mm -hmm. is all about creating a public image that's going to be a fiscal entity. And then you use publicity as an intricate system to make sure that that thing is maintained as a fiscal entity. And it's about promotion, but it's also a lot about protection and making sure that the brand never uh, has to fight its way out of a corner, right? Mm. But the thing with people and when you're just trying to be a person is that the minute that you put that title on, you get titled within an inch of your life. Now, <laughs> you do get titled right. within an you inch get of your life. Within you an inch of your life. And that title might not actually adhere to what you feel is your purpose, right? And titles are great, but purpose is magic. So if now you're in that corner because of that title, and the only thing that you have to get yourself out of that is the brand that you've built around that title, what are you going to do? Right. You're pitted into a corner. And then then what do you do? You either like, I don't know, go to some retreat in the middle of the Colombian jungle somewhere and then reemerge as a new person. (laughs) Right. We see those types of things as well where people are like, I'm cutting off all social media and now I'm just going to come back as a new person. Oh, yes. That which seems very extreme. (laughs) Yes. I built an ashram in Tulum and I'm good now. (laughs) 
Exactly. And I had to do all of that just to shed my old brand. I had to cut down, you know, cut all of my social media handles. But uh, if you and if all of us take this note around building a personal legacy, again, it's much more robust and it allows for the changes. When I was sort of digging into your philosophy and and some of your speaking engagements, it made me start to think also about this pressure to be liked, the pressure that we all feel to to be understood, to be liked by others, to be embraced by others. We're taught to try and figure out what either a job interviewer or an employer or, you know, just the general public wants to hear and wants to receive from us. And so then we cater our what we say to that. But it doesn't sound like you think that we should be doing that, that it's not necessarily a good idea to be liked and to sort of cater. Talk to me a little bit about why and sort of how you came to that realization. Well, within my personal experience, whenever I was trying to go ahead and fit into what I think they want me to say, I always walked away from the interview disappointed because Mm. I had blocked off what was really the most passionate parts of myself, the things that probably would have gotten them completely lit up inside. I held that back because I didn't want to come across as, you know, too much. And of course, again, this is, I know we said this earlier, but this is always about reading the room and understanding what you're talking to. You know, like if you Mm -hmm. are going for a job in data entry, they're not going to want to hear about your dissertation about the GOP or something. You know, like this is not what you're (laughs) here for. But if, let's say that, you know, for instance, you're a creative director and you're going in for a creative directing position, but you also understand some things about biz development in a way that most creative directors don't. And you have, because you went ahead and pursued your own projects on the side, you have a portfolio full of things that you were able to accomplish because you understand some things about business development. I would think that a potential employer would be very interested in hearing about that from you because now you're not just saying, hey, I'm looking for a check. You say, yeah, I want to get paid, but I also know how to bring business. I know how to bring money into the situation. I know how to think bigger than just the project at hand. I know how to think bigger about how we're building the company to be able to be a a, a gracious to more clientele that fits the kind of things that I can do. And that's going to get people excited because Because now they're seeing you are actually duplication for them. You are not just there to just, you know, mindlessly zombified, get through the day so that you can go ahead and cut, you know, ties at the end of the day and get home and recover from everything you had to do in the office to survive it. You're coming in with ideas. You're coming in with virtuosity. You're coming in with things that you're doing that displays your passion, that you don't just sit on the sofa being frustrated. You actually create things and you've got their brain going in different ways, you're going to have a completely different conversation. I have advised people this way and they have actually had situations where a whole other job description got created for them because of how they talked about not just what they can do, but also what they've done on the side, what their legacy is, what it is that they want to contribute, why they're passionate about it, what they bring forth, what they bring to the table. And it changed everything about the conversation in the room. I love that. I love that. When you think about your own career, Joy, in those moments where perhaps before you really had this understanding of personal brand versus personal legacy, before you really understood the value of getting beyond brand, talk to us a little bit about your own career path and perhaps the aha moment when you realize, you know what, 
I think we could be doing this differently. And I think I can be doing this differently. Ooh, I've had so many aha moments, either because of <laughs> failure, right? Either because of like complete and utter failure or just burnout. And especially when I already thought I was burnout, like I was convinced I was completely char, and then I was able to light fire again and burn out even more oh, than no. I thought I had before. I had had an inkling, but I didn't really know how to describe it until I had a moment where I was realizing that I kept getting tricked, for lack of a better word, with clients. I basically was able to work with a client that promised me we could do all these amazing artistic things visually and within my vision. And then next thing I know, like we were collaborating with the brand and the artist, and they systematically stripped the entire campaign of all its art. And next thing I know... Is just this boring, average, run-of-the-mill, everyday corporate thing. It was tasteful, but it had none of the artistry. It had none of the power. It had none of the factor that was really going to set it apart news-wise and make it its own thing, its own newsworthy thing. It was just another corporate flat thing. And I started realizing, wow, I keep sitting around waiting for this super client, like, you know, super client, like, like with a cape and everything to pull me from the burning building, like super, yep. super client, <laughs> you know, and I the dream, the dream, yep. right. And it started to occur to me, what if I'm the super client? Maybe instead of me waiting for someone to show up with the with the budget and hand it, the keys over to me and say, you can do what you want. This is your playground. Maybe I should just go ahead and start playing and see who wants to invest in my playground. And I switched up my whole mentality. I went ahead and had uh, ideas that I wanted to create content around. And I went and I found partners, corporate partners. And they were delighted. They got on board. They didn't give me back gruff about, oh, wait, can we take all the artistry out of it? And I ended up having this much more robust portfolio than I had had before because that corporate client that I was very happy to get that money from, even though they took the all the artistry out of the thing, I had the money, but I didn't have the advancement in my portfolio and I didn't have the advancement in the conversations. So they didn't mm. give me anything where I could go to another future client, potential client, and show off about what I had done. They just gave me something else that was flat that looked around the mill like anything else. And the only way that I started to actually create that, that dynamic that I was looking for in my portfolio was when I took charge of my career that way and I started actually amplifying my legacy, what I wanted to put out ideologically and with media through my own projects that I found sponsors and collaborators and, and partners with. Mm. And so part of what you're doing by investing in yourself and investing in the projects that you feel passionate about, you're still leveraging sort of social media and you're focusing on things like books and websites and talks and panels. Do you not consider that personal branding or or do you consider that personal legacy because it's so much more robust than, you know, a finite brand, if you will? I look at it as personal legacy because, again, mm. it's not just this little finite thing. Like, yes, there's specificity within what I do and even the way that I've shaped myself. And I really look at myself as a walking, talking case study. 
the the fact that I've been able to shape my career the way that I have has been from me having this mindset of I'm not trying to be whittled down. I'm not trying to be cornered into things. When I would talk to my European friends and they would say things like, oh, I'm a designer. And I'd say, oh, what do you design? And they're like, oh, I designed a coffee mug. And then I designed this T-shirt and I designed some furniture and I designed this building. You're like, whoa, (laughs) you know. In the (laughs) West, we a lot of times approach I'm a designer with you've got to design this one thing. You stay in this lane. When I started mm-hmm. to hear people, they were like, I'm a designer, so I design whatever I feel like designing. As I incorporated that into myself. I said, well, I'm a storyteller and I'm a conversationalist. And whatever I want to tell stories about and whatever I want to have conversation around, I can have it. Sure, I can say things like I'm a consultant, I'm a producer, I'm a writer, I'm author, you know, so that people can understand things in smaller tidbits. But for myself, mm-hmm. when I'm talking to myself, I'm a storyteller and I'm a conversationalist. And what I feel is moving things forward toward more inclusive conversation and it, it it connects to my passion, I'm pursuing it. And it hasn't failed me yet. Mm, I like that. One of the things that you say is that a brand is like a public image, while a cultural legacy is an ideological gift that contributes over generations. How do those listening sort of convey something as deep as that in a pitch for a job or a job interview? Like what What are some of the ways that people can tangibly take that advice and apply it in their own lives? Well... I think that we're in a very exciting time right now where a lot of companies and potential employers are starting to realize that consumers have gotten a lot smarter and they're really interested Mm. in what you stand for, not just what you do and what you sell. Right. That the words are cheap. The actions are, you know, where things really are. And they're paying attention. We're paying attention to what we watch. We're paying attention to who wins awards. We're paying attention to who made something. We're paying attention to when we don't realize who made things. It's a very different conversation now. And so for the first time, these brands have had to think about what is the story that they're contributing to the to the big song? of the of you know life and the universe and humanity. And so I think when you can come to a company and you can let them know, look, this is the way that I've been thinking about myself. This is not just me trying to clock in and clock out. I actually want to contribute something bigger. That I think that can adhere to a Mm -hmm. forward-thinking brand that is saying, hey, you know, we're looking for people that care about story, that care about creating something bigger, that are going to look at what we're doing and be part of the collaborative thinking that helps us dive deeper into into the kinds of stories, the kind of narrative that we want to put out there into the, into the universe, into society, into communities. And, I think that that can be, you know, conveyed that, Lisa, when you're having bigger thought, you're a bigger picture thinker, and you are passionate, and you're driven, and you're capable, and you're talented, as long as you are in the room that values that and sees that, you'll you'll be surprised the results that you get by going ahead and showing that you have those layers. One of the things at Glassdoor that we're noticing from a research perspective and looking at company culture is this focus for companies and employers on being culture first, being very mission driven. In fact, many employers are asking those types of questions around sort of values and alignment with culture in interviews. And so I think that really 
ties into what you were talking about in terms of being able to talk about your cultural legacy or your personal legacy in an interview, because a lot of employers now want to hear from job seekers and hear from candidates that they're looking for more than just clocking in, clocking out. They're looking for more than just the regular nine to five, that they really do want this sort of values alignment. I think we're seeing a shift in the workplace culture, at least in America. Absolutely. And and not just America overseas, too. Like, it is becoming a global conversation because people are spending so much time at work, but we're mm-hmm. also seeing that productivity is not where it could be. And we're realizing that anxiety is costing employers so much money. Okay, like, let's just be real. Anxiety is costing employers a lot of money. And where is that anxiety coming from? Because people are in corporate culture structures that do not actually encourage them to develop, don't encourage them to have ideas or take risk. You, you're constantly scared that you're going to get fired or sabotage in some sort of way. Well, you're not going to be collaborative. You're not going to have collaborative teams if people are constantly feeling like they're going to get stabbed in the back by someone who's on the team with them. All these things aren't going to go away overnight. But also, too, when you have built things for yourself in a very particular way, like when you feel like you have a strong foundation in terms of legacy, at least from what I've seen, you also operate differently. You're not so easily slipping into the place of fear within Mm -hmm. your workplace because you know that you have options that are bigger. You might like this job. You might want to keep this career, keep this role, but rather that's actually the word that I said, you know, that I need to emphasize. You might like this job, but you know that you have a career career that is more vast. You know that you are shaping things in a more vast way because you're focusing on legacy. So you don't Mm -hmm. get so easily stuck into the fear-based things that are sometimes going on in workplace culture. For some folks who are listening who have built out their personal website, who've already taken the headshots, they've got a full personal brand in full effect. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give them on pivoting towards the, the notion of a personal legacy? Do they need to change the mission and the message of their website or their resume? What are some of the tactical things they can do to make a shift? Well, I think first they have to sit down with themselves and see if what they're actually passionate about doing is aligned with what they have created visually in terms of that brand, right? Mm. Because I do a lot of times talk to people and I ask them, you know, like, do you have a website? And they go, yeah. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And I'm like, you have a bio? They're like, yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I have a bio. And I'm like, okay, there's something off with it. (laughs) You know, <laughs> right. There's something questionable about that answer. Right. Feel I, I don't think that you're happy with the website or the bio, you know, so there might be something off that's kind of holding them back from what they really want to, you know, accomplish and what they really want to do, how they really want to be presenting themselves and be showing up in the world. And so that kind of requires you to sit down and get quiet for a minute. Take inventory and start to look at what you're doing and see if that is actually aligned with where you want to go, who you want to become. And that requires you to sit down and ask yourself about your passions and your core beliefs. And the core beliefs in in relation to your convictions, you know, so not just something that you'll drop because someone added an extra zero on something, but what you're actually convicted about. And if those things are not 
lining up with how you've created all the visuals and how you're talking about yourself, then I would suggest dig deeper and think bigger about yourself. And you might not have the things immediately to go ahead and add. That's fine. Because once you know where the discrepancies are and what you want to accentuate, what you want to build from, now you know where you're going. You can always add. Mm-hmm. That's the interesting transition between sort of your personal legacy becoming a part of your personal narrative. And you start, once you get really clear, like you're saying, and sort of spending that time to really think about your passions, think about uh, and maybe put pen to paper around what you really want for your life, what drives you, what energizes you, then you can start to weave that into your personal narrative. So whether that shows up as a tagline on your LinkedIn or whether that shows up in sort of the objective section of your resume, you'll start to find places in which to infuse that narrative. Is that correct? Absolutely. It might even start to change the way that you're thinking about your thought leadership. You Mm -hmm. might find that you start writing articles that normally you weren't writing or you weren't feeling passionate about writing anything. And now you're fired up because you actually tapped into your passion and you want to start posting that on LinkedIn, you know, like and other places where you can actually get published and start to talk to colleagues in different ways. And that's one of the things, too, like people I see so many times that people sit down and they, they write something. And then they don't tell anyone that they wrote something, right? (laughs) Like they put it up on Facebook and they just let Facebook be the one thing. And if you didn't catch that post at nine o'clock in the morning on Thursday, you completely missed that they published anything, right? Mm -hmm. And so they don't go ahead and they don't text people. They don't email people. They don't distribute what they're doing. Again, that legacy aspect because you're tapping into what you're passionate about and what you're what you're proud about, you're going to start to actually accentuate it and promote it and talk about it in a completely different way because you're fired up about it and you feel like this is something that needs to actually be out there in a way that's going to energize other people and help you find different conversations. Hmm. Now, me being a former journalist and you being in the PR world and then now transitioned, uh, we know a thing or two about the phrase controlling the narrative. It's a phrase we often hear in the media and PR and, and brand. Companies try to control the narrative about themselves. That's just what they do. Should we as individuals also try to control the narrative about ourselves? Why or why not? I absolutely think so, because media has become ubiquitous. And in my opinion, it's actually a basic human need at this point, Mm. because, you know, it's so everywhere and it's difficult to actually do anything in the world without access to media and access to a cell phone, access to the Internet and things like that. So because media is out there now and everyone is a part of media for the most part, unless you're a complete Luddite. (laughs) You're a part of media some sort of way, even if you are just sharing something on Facebook that you didn't write or liking other people's posts. You're you're actually participating in the system of media. But people are tapping into media and not even really understanding how it works, 
how quickly it flows, how anyone can see anything. And what have we seen? We've seen stories where someone, I, f- I forgot the woman's name, I remember her last name is Sako, that she got on a plane, she was flying to Africa, and she says something about, oh, I hope I don't get AIDS. And by the time she landed uh, the, mm-hmm. on the plane, she was fired. Yep. <laughs> right? Yes, she was. That's the kind of world that we're living in, right? She's now gotten a job again. She's back at Barry Diller's company. But that was how quickly her life changed. Changed. We are seeing the way that all of a sudden a book gets promoted and all of a sudden everyone's you know, talking about the book is not inclusive and people are having to withdraw their endorsement of the book. So that is it is showing us right now that this is such a bigger conversation. You definitely need to understand some things about media, how it flows, the narrative, what your narrative is, where opposition is coming if you end up encountering it, and be mindful of where you're talking and what you're talking about and who you're talking to, what you've built you know, like reputation-wise within media so that if something does happen, if you do have that slip, it's not so absolutely easy to just tear you down mm-hmm. because you don't already have, you know, a foundation of solid, good, thoughtful humanity backing you up for, you know, the umpteen million years that you've been here. That's one of those pieces of your book that I really appreciated was that you encourage people to make media to advance their ideas. And this is something that those of us in all walks of life, you don't need to be a podcaster or filmmaker or a writer to make media. To your point, what you post on social media, what you are sharing on social media, what videos you share, the photos that you take, all of that can be in service of this personal legacy. Absolutely. And the thing is that you're creating anyway. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I found is that people, people might not think that they're creative, but you're creative whether you like it or not. We create every day. Right. Like we're creating stuff in our heads constantly. All those thoughts that go through your mind, all those doubts, those doubts, you created those doubts Mm -hmm. or you're feeding the, the doubts in a way that is creative. Right. So if you do not channel your creativity into the things that you're passionate about, you'll find that you're channeling the creativity into the things that you're fearful of and that you doubt. And Mm. I just say, okay, I I have very definite ideas. I can't speak for anyone else, but I have very definite ideas about what I want to do with my life force and my time on this planet. And I would rather run toward the things that thrill me than be trying to run away from the things that scare me. Joy, for some of us, all of this might be liberating. You and I, we're we're getting jazzed just thinking about creating personal legacy. But for others, it can be intimidating. Where do you start? So if you had to suggest a first step to our listeners that would help them go beyond the brand and step into their cultural legacy, what would you say? Start where you are. Mm. That sounds really simple. But it's not easy for most people because they're usually not thinking about where they are. Where they are. They're thinking about where they were or where they want to be, right? And so when you look at where you are, sometimes you start to realize that you're more resourced than you realized mm-hmm. previously mm-hmm. and that you actually have, like, people on your side. You have, you have people, potential collaborators that you didn't think about, but you could collaborate with them easily. You might be bored and frustrated, and you have someone who's equally bored and frustrated, and y'all can get together on the weekend and create something amazing that's going to end up amplifying everyone's portfolio, right? <laughs> it's like, so you start where you are and start to actually look at, like, where you are 
What what is it that you want to do? What have you done thus far? You know, like where where are you going? Who do you have as potential allies and collaborators and supporters? And actually start to take inventory of right here. Because I mean, I was taught that there are seven directions, north, east, southwest, up, down, and here. <laughs> and here is where you begin every day, is where you live, it's your home, right? So look around at right here where you are and start to figure out where can you start right here and do not feel bad about where you are. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing is valid. Nothing was wasted. You've learned a lot more than you realize and just go ahead and start small right here. Joy, I am feeling so inspired. I appreciate this. Lastly, as you look ahead, Joy, what are you most in pursuit of? What's next? Mm. I am in pursuit of telling stories in an even bigger way than I've been telling them. What does that look so, like? What's what's an even bigger way? I'm not way? even quite sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually looking to get into more collaborative team efforts, and and whether that is in of film, advertising, whatever. I'm I'm very open, but I want to start telling even bigger stories uh, that are going to just keep helping people amplify their joy and tap into their power, that innate power that they have. I love that. One of the things that I set as a goal for myself for 2020 was really around doing more speaking engagements. I really enjoy speaking, and it's less about me sharing my stories and more about moderating and sort of being a facilitator for storytelling and content. And it took me, I would say, three months to send an email to my colleagues and friends and contacts, just telling them that this was my intention. I couldn't do it. I was just like nervous. I had drafted the email and everything. And finally, my niece, Ella, was looking at my laptop and she was like, just send it already and let's play. And so she forced me to send the email And just that little inkling of starting where you are, starting here, really came to fruition for me because then things started coming my way. People started reaching out about different speaking engagements or different opportunities. And so that's been my little step forward and sort of like starting small but taking a little step. Oh, I love that. I am on my way to getting beyond the brand, sister. I love that. And thank goodness for Ella. I tell you, sometimes the wisdom from the children, right? I know, from the mouths of babes, I tell you. I'm so thrilled that we got a chance to talk, Joy. Um, Your book, Beyond Brand, is one that everyone should pick up. So thank you so very much for taking the time to talk to us at In Pursuit. Thank you. Thanks for listening to In Pursuit, the podcast from Glassdoor. This episode was produced by Lee Schneider and Allison Sullivan, music by Epidemic Sound, production by Red Cup Agency. Look for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple, don't forget to share the love. Give us some stars. Leave a comment. Thanks for listening. I'm Amy Elisa Jackson, and this is In Pursuit.